kindergarten. I want you guys to all think back. Think back to the glory days when you went to school to literally play all day. That was all you did, right? Now think back, think back. What would happen at the end of the day? Mommy would show up, right? You go, you grab your Paw Patrol backpacks, right? Door of the Explorer, whatever, whatever you want, whatever you want. You get in that booster seat of yours, you're riding on the ride home, and what does mom ask you? It's the golden question. That's the second golden question. It's, what'd you do today? What'd you do today? And you're this little excited five-year-old, six-year-old, so you go on and on. Mom, we got to play Play-Doh for an hour. Timmy gave me his bicycle. I took some laps. They brought out the blue mats. Who remembers the blue mats? Personal favorite, personal favorite. Nap time. It's the best. It's the best. So, so then, fast forward a little, you get into middle school, you get into high school, same question. You get home from school, your mom says, how was your day? What'd you do? You know what we say? It was good. It was good. It was okay. Uh, we didn't really do nothing much, right? Now, the difference there is that little five or six-year-old wants to tell his mom everything about what he's done. He wants to tell his mom about everything that he thought was important for the day, while the middle schooler and the high schooler doesn't really care about talking about their day, right? Wants it to be over, doesn't really care about sharing any details. Now, what if I told you that the Bible actually wants us to be like that kindergartner in some ways? The Bible wants us, not when we're talking to our parents, but when we're talking to God, the Bible wants us to be like the kindergartner and tell God all the different important things that go on in our life. You want, the Bible wants us to talk to God. So we're going to be looking at the book of Colossians today, specifically chapter 4. You can flip your Bible there. And as you're going, you might read that name, Colossians, and not know anything about it. So let's do a little overview of what the book is. It's actually a letter. Paul wrote this letter. And if you know anything about Paul, he founded all these churches, but the church of Colossae, where he's writing this, he didn't actually found. So he catches wind of it because one of his buddies goes out and evangelizes a whole ton. He converts all these non-Jewish people and they start this church. So Paul hears about it and he's like, oh, this is great. There's a problem. Church of Colossae had this teaching where they're trying to add on things to the gospel. They thought that they could please God by doing more than what the gospel says, out of these extra rules, right? So Paul writes this letter to try to correct all that stuff. And if you read over chapters one through three, that's exactly what he does. He corrects them. He talks about how Jesus alone, right, is sufficient for us with God. And then he starts talking to them just how to live better as Christians. So this chapter, chapter four, is the last chapter, chapter, it's the last portion of the letter, and it starts with Paul talking about prayer right before he closes out and says bye to them. So we're going to read starting in verse number two. And it's beginning the section of prayer. So look for the big idea here, what Paul wants that church to do. Verse two, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. So that's the big idea right there. I just gave you the hint. Paul wants them to have this lifestyle where they're praying all the time, continue steadfastly, steadfastly, being watchful, 
with thanksgiving. We're going to talk about all that later. But look at the big idea here. Paul wants them to be praying Christians. He wants them to pray. And we hear that word so many times, pray, pray, pray. It's like a church word. Now, I want you right now to think, what does that word mean? It's so simple, prayer. We hear it thousands of times at church. But what does it mean? If you look at the sermon title, it says talking to God. And that's how I simply defined prayer. Prayer in the end is just talking to God. You're communicating with him. Now, why do we do this? Why do we have to communicate with God? Well, if we don't communicate with God, we're not going to be able to have a relationship with him. We're not going to be able to ask him for certain things, ask him for blessings, ask him for his work in our lives. And we're not going to be able to be a part of the different work that he's doing. So that's why we pray right? Pray. When, I, when you hear that, just think, that's why we talk to God in the first place. Now, Paul, he defines that. He wants them to have this lifestyle where they're talking to God all the time, and then he gives them a specific request of what to pray for. Verse number three, at the same time, pray also for us. Who's us? Well, Paul, Timothy, his whole group, his mission party there that's working for the gospel, that God may open to us a door for the word, to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. So mystery of Christ, again, that's the gospel. Paul is trying to declare the gospel. He needs them to pray for him, right? And he kind of just throws in, oh yeah, by the way, I'm in prison. He just kind of throws that in there because that's how focused he is on the gospel, right? So again, this big idea here, we can look at our own lives and apply it in the same way. The biggest idea that we all want to follow here is that we want to be talking to God. We want to be talking to God about everything that's important in our life. And if we don't do this, again, we're going to miss out on that relationship with him. We're going to miss out on asking him for those things that he can bless us with, blessings. We're going to miss out on being a part of his work. You might say, Ashton, I do talk to God, man. I talk to God every week. I come here to church. I come here on Wednesdays. We talk to God, right? I go through it, but I don't mean just going through the motions. When Pastor Jacob's preaching and he finishes and you you sit down to pray, I don't mean this. That you may call prayer, but prayer is actually what goes on up in here. Are you actually talking to God? So that's my first point here is you need to start to actually talk to God. Because Paul, in the text, he says to continue talking to God. But if we never start to talk to God, we can never continue to, and then we'll never get anywhere. So start to actually talk to God. And again, let's do a little diagnosis. Think of your own life, you specifically, of how you pray. When Pastor Jacob finishes a sermon, Jose finishes a sermon, Luke Larco finishes a sermon, anyone who's up here talking, and you go to pray, what are you doing in that time? Not just with your body and your hands. What's going on up in here? Are you thinking about what's going to happen afterwards? Getting back to basketball, getting more hot chocolate, right? What else you guys got on afterwards? Going to lunch, maybe because you're Sunday morning crew? Or are you actually thinking about God and you're actually talking to him? Because that's what prayer is. It's talking to him. It's not just that physical motion of closing your eyes. In small groups, your leaders lead you and they lead you through prayer. You get a chance every week. Are you actually talking to God? Are you thinking about going home, finishing up your homework, anything else, right? Do you do the first bite syndrome? That's what I named it. You ever go to lunch and your parents want you to pray before you eat? So like, let's say you have a Chipotle burrito. You take the first bite 
and you go, oh, I got a furry. And it's kind of all messy, and you don't know what to do, and you just quickly swallow it, throw up some words, oh, bless this food to our bodies, and then you go right back to eating. You don't want to do that. That's not focused prayer. That's not what actually talking to God is. And then in your own life, other than all those things, do you ever take time out of your day to really just talk to God? Not just when you go along with everyone else doing it at church or with your family, but do you ever do it on your own? The thing we got to realize here is that prayer is actually a gift. And that word gift means that we don't deserve it. If you know your Old Testament, think about how the temple worked with God and how the old people in the old covenant used to pray. There is this household of God, right, the tabernacle, and that was this smaller spot, the holy spot, and in that was called the holy of holies. That's where God would dwell. Now, if a priest wanted to go communicate with God, he would have to sacrifice some animals. He would have to clean himself up. He'd have to do all these atonements, right? Then he could finally go in and enter into that little place where he could communicate with God. Now, in the New Testament, when Jesus dies on the cross, that place, that holy of holies, well, there's this temple covering. And when Jesus died, he said, it is finished. And that, t- that curtain was torn into. Now, that means that that access to that place, it's no longer limited to that special priest with that special sacrifices and that special covenant. It means that we can all do it. Not because of us, right? We don't deserve it. Because of what Jesus did is part of the sacrifice that he made. So that means that now we're able to have a relationship with God. Think about that. That's such a massive idea. We can now be in a relationship with the entire creator of the universe because we don't deserve to. Now imagine if you had a relationship, you had a friendship, you were this tight with Mr. Beast. Think about it. Think about it. Mr. Beast was your number one, okay? And you're so close with him. It's like one of your closest friends that you kind of forget about him on some days. Now imagine if when you forgot about him, Mr. Beast calls you up and he goes, hey man, where was my phone call? Where was my text message? You didn't, pr- you didn't talk to me today. Or imagine Taylor Swift, right? Got to include the girls. I don't know how many of you are Taylor Swift fans, but just imagine, right? You're close with Taylor Swift and you don't text her all day because you kind of forget about her. You don't talk to her and she's reaching out to you now and saying, hey, where was my text today? I thought we were going to talk. Now, bigger than, than Mr. Beast, bigger than Taylor Swift is God. That's silly, right? But we got a relationship with the creator of the entire universe and only because we're able to talk to him. So that should get us, that should motivate us to actually want to pray. And what if I told you that God wants us to to be talking to him too, just like Mr. Beast or just like Taylor Swift in that example. Philippians 4 verse 6 says, Philippians 4 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer, right? So by talking to God and by supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. In return, well, verse seven says, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. God is literally saying, hey man, don't be anxious. Don't worry about things. Don't keep it all to yourself, but talk to me about it. Talk to me. Bring all, right? Prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests, bring all your requests right back to me. That's what God wants you to do. You need to make this part of your life. You need to actually be talking to God. We all need to, right? Because that's what prayer is. And if we're just going through the motions and we're not actually talking to him, then it's basically worthless. 
So that's the idea here. Start to actually talk to God. Now, if we want to implement this in our own lives, well, then the next point here is quite simply to make it a habit. Make it part of your real life. So that's my second point. Make it a habit to talk to God every day. Make it a habit to talk to God every day. So back to those three qualifications that Paul gives in verse 2, in Colossians 4, verse 2. He says to pray steadfastly. He says to pray watchfully. And he says to pray in thanksgiving. So if we want to build this new habit, because maybe you've never started to actually pray, and that's totally okay. If you want to start to actually talk to God, Paul gives you three areas where you can just build your habit off of. So let's look at them one by one. Steadfastly. Who knows the verse 1 Thessalonians 5.17? It's only three words. Pray without ceasing. Never stop praying. What does that mean? What does that mean? I kind of have to walk around all day and always be talking to God and never stop, right? Oh, I just got to think of more things to say and I can't even eat because I need to be talking to God and I can't sleep because I can't cease. That's not what it means. That's not what Paul wants us to do. It's this bigger picture of what it means to have a relationship with God. Imagine, right, your close, your best friend, doesn't have to be Mr. Beast or Taylor Swift, but your real life best friend. Imagine if you went days without talking to them now. Not even like, imagine if you went a week without talking to your number one homie, your number one guy, your number one girl, your best friend. That's not much of a best friend. That's not much of a relationship. If we're saying we want to be closest with God, how can we say we've gone months without actually talking to him? That doesn't make sense. That's no relationship. There was a man in the Bible who had a really close relationship with God. He talked to God as part of his everyday life. The Bible says that he rose very early in the morning while it was dark to pray. The Bible says that he spent all night praying before. The Bible says even when his ministry was all successful and all these people were coming to come and see him and talk to him, and super popular, he still went away from the crowds. He withdrew and prayed. Who am I talking about? Jesus. Jesus made it part of his entire ministry. He was reliant on talking to God. It was his biggest habit, right? And other than that, even on the most important night of his entire life, the night of the crucifixion, Jesus withdrew into that garden three times and prayed. He prayed over and over again about what was about to happen because he knew he needed to talk to God about it because it was so important for him. So in our lives, anything important to us, again, talk to God about it. Make it a habit. How do we do that? Let's start looking at our real lives, thinking real life stuff, putting this into practice on how to make this a habit. I am afraid to ask specifically this half of the room this question, but who here brushed their teeth today? See, I believe that. I don't know if I believe this. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so, I, I know how it was in middle school. I know how it was in middle school. All right, I'll trust. I'll trust. But if I talk to one of you afterwards, I'm like, oh, man, I'm not. I'm going to, you were lying to me. So if you brush your teeth every day, right, you do it because it's important. You, since you were a little kid, have made that a habit. You've made that part of your life, right? And you've done that 
out of discipline and your mom telling you over and over again, and it's now ingrained in your brain, every morning I gotta brush my teeth. Now what if you were to take that habit and now add on prayer to it? What if, instead of standing in front of the mirror for two minutes every day brushing your teeth, because we all brush our teeth for two minutes, right guys? Two minutes, not the 10 second, just rinse and then spit and done and then you go on with it, right? Two minutes. What if you spent that two minutes, instead of just looking to yourself, you make it part of your habit to talk to God? What if while you're brushing your teeth, you kind of build up this link between brushing your teeth and talking to God? That's super practical. All you guys could do that. You can stand there and talk to God about your day, about what's coming up in your life, about what's important to you while you're brushing your teeth. Same concept, but let's think about it. We're all working here on our DBR, right? On reading the Bible every day. Now, what if we kind of made this linkage in our mind between reading the Bible and then praying? You read your Old, your new old Testament, sorry, first, and then you go and pray about it. You can pray about what you learn, pray about what you need to do better, all of that. You read your New Testament, and then you go and pray to God about it. And you kind of extend your quiet time to include prayer. You just make it part of your life because you're all working on that. You all want to read the Bible every day. So why don't you make it part of your day routine to read your Bible and then talk to God about it. If you have a phone, you put reminders on your phone. I have some reminders. They might actually go off in a couple of minutes, but it goes, pray for someone. And I'm like, oh man, I got to talk to God about someone in my life that needs it. It goes, tell God thank you for something. And I'm like, oh yeah, I should really tell God thank you about something I did today because he's given it to me. So that's a really helpful tool because you already have a phone. You might already have some reminders, but you can just add on more reminders to pray and you can talk to God about it. And all this stuff's gonna start building up this habit. If you don't have a phone, you can put sticky notes kind of everywhere. Sticky notes are great. You put them next to your bed. So when you're walking, you see like this bright neon pink thing that could be your little brain jog to say, oh, I should go talk to God about something. I should go pray to him. Now you put them next to your bed, you can put them next to your mirror, and then while you're going about your day throughout your house, that can be a little trigger in your mind to talk to God. Now speaking of right next to your bed, the next thing that Paul tells us to pray is in watchfulness. And I say next to our bed, because some of us might have a prayer habit where we pray before we go to bed, and it's kind of this half awake, half asleep thing, and you're dozing, and then your mind just kind of starts going into dreamland, and it's not real prayer. That's the opposite of watchfulness. Imagine if Pastor Jacob was standing right here, right? Uh, six, what's he, six, four, six, three, maybe? Maybe we're eye to eye. Hopefully we're eye to eye. And I'm talking to him about something important, maybe about this sermon right now. And I'm saying, Pastor Jacob, I prepped for the sermon. Oh, man, I wonder what's going on Fortnite later today. What's that next event, Pastor? Oh, man, and what are we eating for lunch, dude? What's for dinner? And I just kind of TV channeled. Click, 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 not staying focused. That's not watchfulness. That's not how Paul wants us to pray. Paul wants us to focus. He wants us to be in communication with the creator of the universe. When we're focusing on him, we're focusing on God, we're not gonna get distracted. Now, how can I actually do this? Well, first thing, and again, it's something all you can think about right now is a spot where you can pray. I want you guys to all think about that. Think about a special spot where you're undistracted, where maybe there's no technology there, where you can fully focus up and talk to God. And along with that spot, think of a special time when there's no distractions out. 
For me, I have five siblings. House gets loud. House gets loud. So if I want to go and talk to God without any distractions, right, any of my siblings, my baby sisters distracting me, I have to get up early. I have to pull a Jesus. And I have this little dining room where we, we use it for dinner, but at, at like 6.30, 7 o'clock in the morning, not to flex when I get up. It's not fun. But when we get up that early, right, it takes effort. You can go and talk to God without any distraction. And when I've done that, when I've made it my habit to do that, I've found that that's pretty successful in keeping me focused on God. So all of you think, hmm, where's my prayer spot? Where's my special prayer time, right? And just be in communication with God. And I'm not going to get distracted about it. I have one friend in True North. He's actually a leader. But his prayer spot, listen how specific this is. So his garage, it's all cluttered. It's got all this mess. There's this one chair in the corner that his mom uses after she, like, goes on runs. So that chair's always set up. So in the mornings, what he does is he climbs over all that clutter, and he gets to that chair, and that's where he's undistracted, focused, talking to God. And that works for him because no one goes in that garage. No one is going to distract him. He can just talk to God there and not get distracted. So think about all of your spots. Where can you go and pray? Other than that, another practical thing you can do is to make a list. This might, you might have heard this before, right? But think, think through the strategy. If you make a list, because our biggest problem when we're praying is that we're thinking about other things. and We're getting distracted, right? The TV channels are clicking. But if we make a list then whenever our mind starts to trail off, we can get right back to it. You read the next item, say, oh man, I know what to talk to God. Refocus, we're gonna go on this. Imagine if I need to repent because I lied to someone. Imagine if my friend had a problem that they need help with. And if I read on the DBR that I wanna be more loving because that's what Jesus told me. So I'd write out on my list. All right, I lied today, I need to repent of that. Uh, Friend problem, DBR more loving. So when I'm praying, I'm going to go through the first thing. Okay, God, forgive me for this, et cetera, et cetera. Talk through that. I'm going to get a little distracted. Okay, right back to it. And now I read the next thing. It's okay to open your eyes when you pray, right? Read the next thing, then get right back to it and start talking to God. And that's super practical to keep you guys focused. The list helps. List is a great strategy. If you have a phone, you can make an ongoing list that you can kind of tackle, or you keep a little prayer journal with your lists in it. And that should prove really helpful to keep you focused keep you talking to God. Now, what else should be on that list is related to the third thing that Paul talks about, and that's in thanksgiving. We need to tell God, thank you. Again, another church word, thanksgiving. We hear that all the time, but we can tell God, thank you, and that's what thanksgiving is. It's just saying thank you to God. Well, thank you for what? James 1.17 says that every good and every perfect gift is from where? It's from your parents. It's from the church. It's from above. Every good and every perfect gift is from God, from above. Think how many good things we have. We just got to play basketball. We're sitting in an air conditioning room. Some of you guys got hot chocolate. Some of you guys played ping pong, volleyball. All that stuff is provisions. It's fun. We have friends. We have community. We have our families. Bible says that all that comes from God. God's the ultimate person who provides all those things. And now also think about how many times we say thank you to other people in our lives. We say thank you even just down to our parents a hundred times a day when they make us food or when they do our laundry. We say it to random people who hold the door open for us. Like think how ridiculous that is. That's a good thing to do, 
But the Bible is saying above all of that, we should be telling God thank you for all the good stuff that he gives in our lives. If we're telling random people thank you and not God, what are we doing? God does the most for us out of anybody. There's an example of people who are really bad at this. And if you've been following DBR, you actually just read this. It comes from Exodus. And it's actually the good guys in the story, funny enough. Think about it. So the Israelites are trapped in Egypt. God sends all those crazy plagues. Who remembers some of the plagues? Shout them out. Frogs, locusts, darkness. Yep, the flood. You turn the Nile River into blood. That's pretty wild. And then, right, Pharaoh finally lets them go. They're walking. He splits the sea so they can go through it. He splits open the sea. They can walk through it, okay? They get out into the wilderness. You'd think they'd be thankful. You would think that they would remember what God did. And you know what they say? Exodus 16, 13. They got a little hungry. Gets the best of all of us. But they got a little hungry and they said, we had food, meat, and bread. We would have died happy back in Egypt. They were in slavery back in Egypt. That's so stupid. If you know the VeggieTales rendition of this, do you know what I'm talking about? Where the guys are complaining, it's like the potato, and the little squash dude goes, we were in slavery. It's pretty crazy. But it goes to show you that because they weren't focused on what God gave them, they forgot about it all, right? If they were saying thank you, making a habit, to tell God thank you and thinking back to all the provisions that God gave them in their lives, they wouldn't lose sight of what he did and then they wouldn't get in that situation where now they're sinning against God by grumbling and complaining and not trusting him. So in our own lives, we don't want to do that. We want to stay focused. We want to stay on the right track with our relationship with God and we want to add, even just to your list, add all the things God's given you and then as you look at them, you can talk to God about it. God, thank you for letting me hang out with my friends this morning. Thank you for the gift that basketball is and all these hours of practices that you've given me, right? That should be our mindset with how we pray. So biggest idea, habit of prayer, focused in thanksgiving with watchfulness. So it's the same thing, but in watchfulness, steadfastness, biggest idea. And then under that, Paul also ends by telling them to pray for something specific. Paul says, this is Colossians 4, verse 3, if you want to get back on track with the passage. Colossians 4, verse 3. Paul says, at the same time, pray also for us, that God may open to us a door for the word, to declare the mystery of Christ, on account of which I am in prison. I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. So Paul He's a super expert missionary. Paul is like number one. He's, he's the, what, LeBron? No, not LeBron. LeBron's not the GOAT. He's the Michael Jordan. I'm sticking with that. He's the Michael Jordan of all the missionary works. Sorry, girls. That one, might, you might not know who that is. He's the best. He's the greatest of all time of all missionary work. But he is still reliant on prayer to do anything. He, think about it, if he has been doing this for this long, he started, what, six churches, seven churches at this point? If he is still reliant on prayer, think how much more we need to be reliant on prayer, specifically for the gospel and specifically for the work that God's doing. So our next point is that we need to ask God to make good opportunities for the gospel. Ask God 
to make good opportunities for the gospel. We said it earlier, but Pastor Jacob's not here right now, and I'm going to keep picking on him. But imagine if Pastor Jacob left some pretty stupid prayer requests for all of us. If he went back to Maine last week, he left this list of prayer requests for what he wants us to pray for for the bridge retreat. Now imagine if they went like this. Pray for me to enjoy my sandwich that I'm packing on the way up. And pray for me that I can get a cozy night's sleep, night one, be all warm and cozy and whatever, wherever I stay. And also pray it doesn't rain because I need a tan, right? I need to get my tan game on up in uh, Joshua Tree. Sun is not out there right now, but pray for it anyways, right? We would all think that's ridiculous. But Pastor Jacob, just like Paul, he didn't leave those requests. He left real requests about the work he's doing and about the work for the gospel that he's doing. So for all of us, we should look at that and we should care. We should care to come before God and to ask him for all those things. That's amazing. We can ask God for the work that God's doing. We get to be part of the work that God's doing. Think how big of a concept that is. If we miss out on this, we're gonna miss out on being part of the work that God's gonna bring about for the gospel. We wanna be part of it. We wanna ask God, hey, pa- hey God, Pastor Jacob, he needs all these things. We know how good you are. Please provide them. Please make those good opportunities for the gospel. So all of this goes to say that the gospel is pretty important. Again, Paul's just kind of in prison. Let's not forget that. Our homie Paul's behind bars right now in chains. And he's writing this letter. That's crazy. Paul is just throwing that in there. I'm in prison, but focus on the gospel. Paul is willing to get to prison for the gospel. Pastor Jacob is spending an entire weekend and his whole life, if you think about it, dedicated to this work. All your leaders, all your other pastors, they all are trying to make opportunities for the gospel. So if you think about your own life, maybe the first place where the gospel needs an opportunity is for you. Maybe you haven't responded to the gospel and you need an open door in your life so that you can respond to it. So that would be the first place where you need to pray. You have leaders, you have this church, you have your small groups. Maybe you should ask God that he may use them, right? To either make the gospel more clear to you if you need that, make you better understand what you need to do to respond to it. And God can use those requests and he can use your leaders through it to make an opportunity for you to open a door for the gospel for you. Other than that, right? Think about our church as a whole. Back to the church of Colossae, They started because someone was committed to going out there and evangelizing and doing the work for the gospel and other people were praying for him. I got news for this church, right? Look around. All of this only started because someone did that same work. Pastor Mike and his team were committed to going out, sharing the gospel, doing that work, and other people were praying for them. So for us who are benefiting from this, right? We're all part of this work now. We in return, should want to ask God to do more things like this. We should want to ask God to make more places like Compass, to do more work for the gospel in that way. That'd be such a good thing to do, even for the people that we know, for the different pastors, right? Pastor Jacob and Jose and all the people you know, they're committed to this work. So we should be asking God to make good opportunities for when they do it, to open doors out of the work they're doing to advance the gospel and to make good opportunities for it in that way, right? 
So that goes to show you that our habits of prayer, that's what they need to be defined by, all those different things. Now, for most sermons, if they're a good sermon, you might get a little excited about it. You might want to walk out those doors and go directly and start living it out. Now, I got news for you. This sermon's different. This sermon, you're going to get to apply right now. Because what do we do at the end of sermons? We pray. We go and talk to God. Now, you get so many opportunities each week to talk to God. At sermons like these, Wednesday nights, before and after your meals, with your family, and all those opportunities, we should want to genuinely pray. We should want to actually talk to God, talk to him watchfully, right? Focus, talk to him in thanksgiving, be consistent at it. And we can't waste those opportunities by just going through the motions, by just not really caring and just wanting it to be over with. Thinking back to that middle schooler from the beginning of this sermon, we should be like those kindergartners who are excited to talk to God, excited to pour out everything that they think is important to him and excited to come before him and just ask him for all these things. Ask him for areas in our life where we need blessing. Ask him for other people's areas where they need blessing. Ask him to advance the work of the gospel just like Paul wants us to do. So right now, we're all gonna go ahead and talk to God and I want you even right now to take that first step to build that habit and start actually talking to him. Don't just close your eyes and fold your hands but actually think and talking to him, not just going through that motion but communicating to the creator of the universe. Let's pray. God, thank you for this text. Thank you for the word that you've given us about how you want us to talk to you. Thank you that we're even able to, Lord, that we don't deserve to. Thank you for the work of Jesus that's given us this ability and even down to things like this church that you've advanced through the work of your gospel. I pray for all of us here that we all become better at talking to you, more focused, give you more thanksgiving as we should, I just pray that we develop this habit as part of our daily lives. So I thank you again for this time we have here, and I just pray that we think about these things and they really affect the way that we live out our relationship with you. Amen.